right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Para-X Radio Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. This is your host, Jason M. Caldwell, and tonight I am joined by my brand new fabulous co-host, Stephanie Reisner. Stephanie, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you doing? Doing great. So, I have a little funny story to tell, um, if you don't mind, Stephanie. Just oh, falls in mind. line with what folks have known about how the show has gone over the past three years. So it's Stephanie's debut episode as co-host. And she, as all the, the strange things that have happened to us, trying to get the show going with audio issues and things of that nature, she got stuck in traffic and made it in just under the line. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so thing, too. Oh. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I was going to do the announcements and add you in, but now I don't have to. Um, you're here with me, and I'm glad to have you. Yes. But uh, I want to remind everyone about the DoMagicWithAK.com, the magical challenges that go on monthly. Uh, Stephanie, you've had a very, you've actually been involved in that a lot more than I have. Do you want to tell some folks of how that's been going for you and some things that you've seen that you've been impressed by? Um, yeah, you know, uh, what's interesting is not only um, are the Do Magic Challenges um, just so, uh, like the topics, like the topic of each challenge has just been so interesting, but seeing the type of work and the level of work that people have done, because you have everybody there. You've got people who are just starting out, and you've got people who've been doing it for years, and just to see the work that they're doing, um, it's it's really amazing. And it's inspiring. It inspires other people to do the work. So I highly recommend it for anybody who wants to uh, jump in and actually do some magic. Most definitely. Andrea's been working on that a lot. And he's looking to make some new improvements over the course of the next year as well. Uh, Zach's been heavily involved. You've been heavily involved. Um, you know, I've been doing other things, but that's okay. I pop in periodically and do a challenge here and a challenge there myself. So I really recommend that people give it a shot. Participation is always free. And I think it's a great, 
community building. I, I think friendships have even developed across those lines because people have helped each other and critiqued each other and, you know, people that never would have met otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and not only now, that, but... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. What were you about to say? I know. I was, I was going to add in that um, not only... It, it also helps you build a daily practice. And a lot of people don't have a daily practice. And I think, I think the Magical 30 really, you know, do magic, really gets them involved in that. You know, gets them working. So. Well, and I think uh, for something with free participation... Let, let's be honest. I mean, you've you've written some great books. We're going to talk about one of your newest books tonight. Some, but we we know as practicing occultists, what do most occult books end up doing when people buy them? Sitting on the shelf. Oh yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's it, it's sad, but it's a reality. I mean, we all acquire our libraries, and I like to think that most of my library is practical. I've Hell, I was digging through books last night, putting putting together some things, but uh, that's that's not norm for a lot of people. And I think we have a lot of armchair magicians out there. This is a great way to help you push forward to actually getting some practice going, seeing the effects of said practice, and being able to really, you know, apply what you're learning. Not just sit there in the armchair and do the research and the studying, but actually have the personal experiences that can lead to really interesting things sometimes. So, you know, check it yeah. out. DoMagic.com with a K. And I know I hear people, oh, why? Why did they use the K? Quite frankly, when Andrea got the URL, do Magic with the C was already taken. It's the archaic form of magic and it works and it's awesome. So check it out. Yep, I agree. So, do you have anything per any personal events coming out here soon? Um, as far as you mean, like book signings or anything book like that. Book signings, but... appearances, classes, anything um, you'd like to promote that's coming up, coming soon for the announcements. Right. Um, on August twenty third, I'll be at Tattered Cover in Denver, off of Colfax. Um, doing a writer of the year panel with a bunch of fellow writers, but that's mostly for my fiction. Um, for the nonfiction stuff, uh, people can catch me on September 30th at Ye Old Magic Shop in Lakewood, Colorado. Um, awesome. I don't know how many local people are listening, but there's that uh, coming up. But otherwise, um, I mean, and, and aside from uh, being on, uh, being a co-host now on on Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. So, there's some you know, of that coming up. I, I, I really want to uh, lift your spirits and, and pump you up a little bit on tonight's show because I want you to know, <laughs> just from the, the Facebook promotions, you've gotten more of a response. People liking, people sharing, more than any show recently. Oh, and wow. You know, it's it's funny because I have personal friends here in town who are fans of your fiction and don't even know you're an occult author. Oh, no kidding. I've That's yes, funny. I've run into people that go, yeah, I've seen your books on other people's shelves, your fiction books, and they, and I go, you know, she's an occult author, and these are her other books, right? And they're like, huh? 
know, I know they kept it a secret. <laughs> yeah, somebody's introduced them to your fiction. They've read your fiction. They've gone out and bought your fiction. They just, but they've never been to the website to see if there's a connection there. You know, right. So hopefully, we're going to get you some exposure in that line where people will draw the connections and see the full spectrum of your work because it's really great work, all of it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad people think so because you know when you're when you're a writer, you tend to have a little bit of self-loathing going on. So <laughs> it's, it's always, you know, you're always super self-critical, but I'm, you know, I'm like really excited that I'm going to be uh, co-hosting what, like a, a one show a month or something with you. Although there will be two this month, won't there? Like at the end. Yeah. Cause we'll have the show with Will. Yeah. But, yeah. But, we're, we're hitting, well, we're, we're hitting the very first day of the month, which means in four weeks. Yes. You're going to probably hit the end of the month also. So that's kind of right. cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. So I mean, th it, this is this is going to be fun. It'll be nice to talk to like all sorts of different people, and you know, get to kind of see how they how they do their magic and talk about interesting topics like necromancy and and maybe some of the darker stuff and demons, of course. Always open yeah. to talking about demons. Demons, demons, yeah, and and I I think people are going to learn a lot from you about the difference. Um, well, the difference in perspective, we'll say. Yes. Hopefully. Um, but so over the weekend, I was taking a look at your book. Um, I'm going to use the, the short title, De "Demonic Love Magic," also with a K. Yes. I like the archaic form better. I don't know. I don't like it with just a regular C. Not only that, it distinguishes it from stage magic. So. Yes. Yes. Um, and the uh, Thelemites we have listening, I'm sure that uh, they could give you a really nice, oh, a very nice layout of why Crowley put the K in there and, and how it changes it Kabbalistically and numeral. No, I always have a horrible time with the word numerology, but it's, it's interesting. There, there are actually very good reasons to use the K yes. on multiple levels. But so first and foremost, we're, we're using some controversial things here because we're saying Damon and we're saying love magic and we're putting them together. So two controversial topics right there off the rip. Mm -hmm. And I love how you started the book. You were talking about ethics with love magic or the lack thereof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not from your side of things, but from, you know, what are most people seeking that come to you historically looking to have love magic done? Uh, well, what they usually want is they have a specific person in mind that they want to work the magic on. They're like, you know, I'm Fred Smith. I want Fred Smith to fall in love with me and marry me and be the father of my children. And they have like this whole thing kind of set out in their heads and it's kind of stalkery in a weird way because then you find out more of the story because you start asking the questions and you find out that they've been rejected by this person. Fred Smith wanted nothing to do with her. I'm just using a fake name. That's not a real name. Um, right. So, and then you find out that, you know, he rejected her for whatever reason or, you know, sometimes I have guys coming to me after they've cheated on a woman and they want her back and it's like, well, 
you cheated on her. Why would she take you back? And so they want you to basically affect, directly affect the will of another person. And there are so many reasons. There are so many things wrong with that to me. Um, I mean, when it comes to love magic, and of course, one of the biggest things is, do you really want to be with a person who doesn't want to be with you? That's probably my biggest question. And I always ask that of, you know, people who come to me looking for, you know, for me to do a love spell for them to fix all of their problems with their relationships. And I'm like, do you want someone to be with you who isn't going to want to be with you unless there's magic involved? Not only that, but with love magic, that's something that you kind of have to reinforce. You have to continually reinforce that. So when it wears off, and it will wear off, all that's going to be left is that person is not going to like you and it's going to end up breaking up anyway. There's no such thing as like a permanent love magic. Thank goodness. You, you um, know, it's, it, this is making me think of a personal story that I was told from a friend uh, years ago who, he had someone in his family who had been given a rain as a gift from an admirer. And he accepted the gift. He ended up, shortly after getting into a relationship with this woman. But he was continuously coming to my friend privately. He he felt devoted to the relationship, but he just couldn't put his finger on it. Something just wasn't right. It wasn't historical of his relationships in the past. There were a lot of problems, a lot of conflicts, but he just didn't feel like he could leave. And my personal friend said, you know what? I want you to take that rain that she gave you. And uh, there were some other implements involved, but whatever little magical ritual they did together, they ended up boiling that rain with herbs and some other things, doing some incantations, and then they threw it outside into the snow. Well, when they threw it outside into the snow, it broke. Split uh, in half. Huh. Interesting. Well, yes. Now, one could argue there was an extreme temperature difference from the boiling water to the cold snow, but <sighs> jewelry just doesn't tend to break like that normally. Right. You know? Actual <laughs> precious metals. But let's just say he was out of that relationship almost immediately afterwards. He, he felt like he had become himself again. And right. you mentioned in the book how love magic that's done to get a person. Now, there's, there's other types, of course. We'll get into that more later. The idea that you can do proactive magic to draw the right kind of person towards you. Mm -hmm. In this case, let's say you're aiming for that particular person. And... Right. You did not split any hairs. You said you were actually superseding this person's will. Uh, let's let's get more into that idea of um, what should people be aware of when they're gunning for one particular person. Well, there are, there are a lot of uh, problems that could arise. I mean, if you're talking about like from the from the casting point of view, if you're casting love mag magic on someone else, you could end up with a stalker. Someone who will not leave you alone. Like, a lot of times you'll think, oh, I really want this person, and you think you do, and the reality and the fantasy are two different things. So you mm -hmm. get into this relationship, and you end up with a person who is either too clingy or 
you know, they chase off all your friends or they tell you, you know, you can't do this or that anymore because they don't like it. Um, or you could end up, uh, I mean, well, I suppose this could happen with men too, but you could end up being raped um, or attacked by that person if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not giving them what they want. So it can be very dangerous in that sense because if you make someone infatuated with you and you're drawing a specific person to you, you could literally create a stalker, someone who's going to slash your tires or, you know, get rid of your dog or whatever. Um, and that can be kind of dangerous because when you're done with them and you decide that the relationship isn't working, then you got to wait it out until it wears off and they go away on their own. And until then, you're actually going to be stuck with that person. I think my first, um, one of my first experiences with love magic, I was a teenager. I was probably 17, I think. And I decided that I really liked this guy. A total, you know, goth guy, the bad boy, yada, yada. Uh So I decided I was going to go ahead and do this love spell specifically on him. Well, I did the love spell. He called me that night and we started going out and everything. And then I realized, yeah, this guy's kind of a loser. You know, he <laughs> doesn't have a job, doesn't have a car and like all of these things. So I was like, well, you know, so the fantasy was great, but the reality was kind of like, yeah, I don't think so. That guy, I swear I couldn't get rid of him. And when I finally did, even up to a year or two later, he'd show up like knocking at my door saying, hey, you know, how you doing? You want to go do something? He would not leave me alone. It was just the freakiest thing. But that's what it takes for some people. Some people actually have to experience it. And then, you know, in order to realize just how bad the effects can be, you know, and not only that, but I mean, the breakups are probably going to be a lot worse too. So if there's going to be, you know, if, if you decide you don't like them and you want to get rid of them, you're going to end up with a lot more drama, so to speak at the end of that relationship. It's oh, not going to end, you know. Well, let's let's be realistic about how a lot of these things go down. I guess you said infatuation. In a way, if, if you're lucky, you'll get infatuation. If you could get obsession, which is really what you're describing in a lot of these cases. and Yes. You, you've made this person obsessed. You've made yourself the center of their world. And, of course, there's going to be consequences if you try to take the cookie away so to speak mm-hmm absolutely so yeah uh, it, it gets horribly complicated because you really are working in baser instinct parts of the brain that, that mm-hmm. are very hard for the rational mind to you know for the targets rational mind to keep control of yes oh absolutely yes. mm-hmm so I don't think a lot of people think about that. Um, one of the one of the things um, I've touched on in the book uh, specifically uh, was learning how to not only bring the right person into your life without naming names, because who you think's right for you and you know who really is right for you are likely two different things. Yes. Um, most of us, especially especially when we're younger, we go through like a stupid period where we just. <laughs> we're just completely stupid about relationships. We constantly choose the wrong person. That's, I think that's just normal. Um, I think that's a normal human thing. But sometimes we got to look at, you know, self-love. I, I mean, I've, I've known people who 
think that they cannot live without a relationship. They always have to be in a relationship or they're freaking out. They can't be alone. Um, so I think like, you know, learning to be alone and, and some self-love and self-acceptance is something that some people may need to look into before they start trying to attract love as well. So I, I touched briefly on that in there, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to expound upon what's not mentioned in the book. And you know, when you, when you bring that up, I'm thinking like a couple of my past relationships it ended because it was like, wow, you're really stopping me and preventing me from being able to do the stuff that I enjoy doing that I've been doing for years without you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think there's, there's almost like two sides of the coin. There's the people that are so dependent that they have to have someone. Then there's those of us who have grown up and sometimes it's hard to have a satisfying relationship because the relationship takes up time that we'd rather be doing things that we enjoy that we've already come to terms with doing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You might feel like you're like losing your independence a little bit, you know? Right. Like, right. Oh. And yep. I think that obviously you got into the whole idea of formulating the rituals and choosing the spirits in accord to finding someone who will fit your lifestyle as opposed to fulfill you or it's a complicated right. thing. So the rituals have to become more complicated and more involved. Right. Well, because I, I think it promotes focus. And one of the things is, is, is if you leave it kind of open-ended and, and, and kind of throw out the request into the universe there saying, or, you know, or throw out the request to the demonic, uh, the divine intelligence and say, bring someone to me who's right for me. Someone who is my soulmate, someone I connect with. And if you actually, like, write down all of the things you'd like in a partner, um, now, of course, there is a thing about being maybe, I don't know, too picky. Some people have really high standards that cannot possibly be met by another living being. But <laughs> I think <laughs> I think ultimately, if you just kind of throw that request out into the universe, you are going to, if you throw out love and abundance into the universe, you kind of draw that back. There's, like, that love attraction thing working there. Um, so, and when it comes to love magic, really, it, it's also, it, you, you really do have to love yourself first if you can expect anyone else to love you. So again, I'm kind of throwing that in there because a lot of people, they, they may want the, want the relationship and the companionship and everything, but maybe they don't want the work or maybe they want, what they want is just completely unrealistic. So I probably should have talked more about expectations in there, and I didn't. But I don't know. Sometimes I think certain things are common sense, and maybe they're not. I'm not sure. I suppose it depends on the person. Oh, Stephanie, never assume that anything is common sense these days. <laughs> I know. Shame on me. I'm terrible with that. I, I have this. I have this uh, propensity to not handhold anybody, and it tends to bite me in the ass more often than not. So. It's just, folks, when, when you work on yourself magically, you're going to find that the more awake and aware you become, the more you're going to look around you and look and go, look at all these people. The lights are on, but no one's home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say nothing is common sense in the modern era. Yes. Some people call it the age of ignorance, but that's a whole other story. 
<laughs> in the information age, that's it's kind of an oxymoron. You know, it's funny. Information age. We have so much information at our fingertips for free if we choose to find it, and we fulfill how much of that time with cat memes? Yeah, and that's so true. <laughs> oh, I'm just as guilty of that. I'm contributing yeah. Memes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've maybe not cat memes for me, but I, I like my my get everybody riled up on Facebook every now and then myself. So you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so since we have a very broad audience, I mean, obviously you are very popular in the Damon Damonolatry community. Oh, please, did I say that right? <laughs> <laughs> It depends. Some people say demonolatry. Some people see say uh, demonolatry. I say demonolatry, okay. which I think I oh. guess is like a more British pronunciation. I've been told, so I don't know. Well, it's just the way go. I was taught to say it. So, but so now you're getting this exposure with a, a very broad audience, and some of our some of our listeners are going to be freaking out tonight, going, "Oh wow, it, it's it's about." Oh, they said demons, but aren't those demons? And if I if I use these spirits to uh, try to find love in any way, shape, or form, won't there be consequences? Aren't these spirits? I guess people are going. Some people are going to expect these spirits to be spirits of betrayal and have trickery and that kind of thing. What What would you say to people that don't have your level of knowledge that are coming at it from a different perspective? So, so I do believe that a person's personal beliefs will greatly affect, affect their experience. So a person who is like, say, very, very Catholic, um, trying to work with demons is likely to have more bad experiences with demons mm -hmm. than someone who, say, was raised Wiccan and works, starts working with demons. They're not going to have nearly as many bad experiences. And I think a lot of that comes in with, first of all, um, the word demon, we should, we should understand that the root words, uh, the root words that the word demon comes from are the Latin daemon and then the Greek daemon, um, two different spellings on those. But mm -hmm. one of them yes. means re replete with wisdom and the other one means divine intelligence. So when the ancient Greek Greeks were calling on their demons, they were actually calling on divine intelligences and divine intelligence for me is a very very broad term now the word demon of course has come to mean i mean historically and after time and everything and filtering through the judeo judeo-christian uh culture and society has come to mean devil which is a malevolent spirit and so a lot of people immediately hear the word demon and they think malevolent spirit well here's the thing about most um, spirits, whether they're closer to the earth or they're more celestial, um, they're, they don't really have an alignment. They simply are because their angels can be just as much of a dick as a demon can. Oh, yeah. And, but here's the thing, you know, and this, this is where like, this is where people like back up and they're like, Oh no, she didn't. Um, I'm going I, because I view demons as divine intelligences. I believe that there are many different types of demons, and I put angels, I put jinn, planetary spirits, all of that, they're all demons to me. And that right there, people are just like, well, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> because you'll you're notice. going back, 
you're going back right? to the original form of the word. Yes. Right. And so, um, and I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't demons out there that, that may feel malevolent or we may actually perceive them as malevolent. But the reality is, it's not like they're consciously malevolent. And, and there's another thing about demons, and it depends on the ones you're working with. The ones that we often work with are ones that are closer to the Earth's sphere. Mm-hmm. Or how I view it, you know what I'm saying? They're a little more, they're a little more personable. The ones we often work with, like the spirits of the Goetia, or <clears throat> excuse me, um, or God forms from pa- pagan religions. Because let's face it, like a lot of uh, spirits that, that the Christian Church labeled demons were just gods of pre pre Christian religions. So I mean, we're looking at like Ashtaroth, who was originally a Starta, um, Baal. You know, that's ancient Semitic. Um, So you have like all of these different. So you have basically all of these different God forms from different cultures being brought into these demonic hierarchies that a lot of people still work with today. We just don't work with them as well. Some people, I suppose, will work with them as like, you know, evil or dark and scary. But I don't view them that way. I do view them as like spirits of particular that have particular attributes that can help you to better yourself as a person and to help you gain things like, you know, opportunities and love and you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's completely, uh, so my viewpoint is, is not necessarily all that popular (laughs) among pagans. I've always said that demonolators are like the redheaded stepchildren of the pagan world too. Um, of the pagan and occult world, because, you know, people just don't, they think our, our views are weird, and they're like, oh, you know, and it depends. I How you view that, I'm not really a hard polytheist. I don't believe that, you know, Zeus doesn't get along with this guy, and, you know, or that Odin doesn't get along with this guy. I don't, I don't view uh, deities as just bigger celestial versions of us, so... In that sense. So in that sense, when I'm writing my books, that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from demons as sentient points of pure energy or sentient um, concepts or ideas, uh, archetypes almost. Right. You know? I think you and I will will have interesting discussions going forward because, you know, I've... I've played both ends of the spectrum. I've had experiences like you're describing, and I've had experiences with spirits that were just downright petty. So, well, it depends <laughs> on the type of the spirit, though, too. And and there have been some spirit types that I have had petty interaction with, but then yeah. I don't label I don't label those particular incidents instances. Uh, I, I'm really kind of iffy about that because a lot of the spirits I've had uh, that I have had experiences like that with have been either spirits of the dead or what I call others. They're spirits from uh, I, I don't know if it's the, the astral realm or whatnot, and they tend to be kind of kind of petty. And I've got I've had like terrifying I have had terrifying experiences with. Spirits, but I also had to stop and look at it. Uh, for example, the Enochian spirits; those 
everybody always talks about how terrifying they are. And um, it actually took a, a, an encounter with them where I was actually terrified for me to actually realize what was going on. It wasn't that they were frightening or that they were threatening me. It's just that whatever uh, level that they vibrated at was actually triggering my fight or flight response. You know, so there, there's, there's that. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to say that <laughs> I was acquainted with someone pretty popular in the uh, ceremonial magic end of things who seems to always want to argue with people because, you know, there's a lot of us, including myself, that say those Enochian angels there's something different about them. That's not the same kind of vibration I get when I'm working with, say, Mikael or Raphael, Uriel, right. uh, mm -hmm. the more classical angels. It's it's something very different, and it seems that I, I am definitely more careful if I work with something in the Enochian realms. But this person was arguing and has argued historically, angels are angels. Uh, there's no such difference as, you know... Uh, this kind of angel, an Abrahamic angel versus a, uh, an angel of, you know, like he just seems to say that Enochian is just their language and there is no difference. I disagree. There's a difference. And I might get in trouble for saying that. And I might get some hate mail, but I don't care. Now, I agree with you. There is definitely a difference. Those spirits are definitely in a class by themselves. And you can. You can kind of feel the difference. There's a difference between planetary energies than when we're, when you're working with the goetic spirits, the goetic spirits, which are actually like more like a djinn, you know? I would agree. So, so there's... Well... It is different. And then when you're working god forms, say Egyptian god forms, totally different feeling than if you're working, say, with Greek god forms. Yes. Or ancient Canaanite god forms. Or Babylonian, whatever. Or the little so, wall. Yeah. Precisely. So I think there are different spirit types. So I think there are like different levels, different types. And I do think, but I do tend to put a lot of them or many of them under the umbrella demon because they are divine intelligences. So in my mm -hmm. opinion, in my opinion. Well, you're right. And I think it's important for people to understand where you're coming from. So... You know, because unfortunately, a lot of this is not common sense, and, and people see the, those keywords, they go, oh, demon, demon, oh, and mm -hmm. this just drums up all kinds of ideas. Right. They, they, they're immediately triggered, and they immediately have an they immediately think they know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, of course, I but, think... Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, I just think those of us that have been involved in occultism for any, any amount of years, uh, we, we get really... I think this is why I've been taking a step back from a lot of public events right now because I get tired of defending myself, but we get used to having to defend ourselves and having to explain our points of view. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why in in the uh, Demonic Love Magic book, I put in there uh, information about um, sex with the demons. Another highly controversial topic. Yes, it is. I hear very... you pounding that keyboard right now, writing me that hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> we have 
you know, we really have to bring this up when we're if we're going to talk about working with demons. Because I mean, technically, you could work you could work any type of love magic, sex magic, friendship magic, because. The demonic love magic includes all of that. It includes all fr- from friendship to love to, and just right on down the line. And how to break up uh, relationships as well. But um, sex with it, it wouldn't be a complete book without talking about sex with demons. And even I have some like I don't know pretty specific opinions about that that I, I think are I don't know worthy of discussion. So. Well, let's 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 discuss what has come to your mind about your your specific opinions. My specific opinions are that spirits from the other world have no need for physical pleasure. I don't believe that and you hear about it all the time. People are like, oh, you know, demon sex, yada, yada, yada. But I don't believe that it actually happens. And I will tell you why, because for the better part of almost 30 no i think it has actually been 30 years now 31 32 something like that for the better part of 30 some odd years i have been completely open to the experience of glorious demon sex i am all for it if there was a demon out there that wanted to have sex with me you would think they would have kind of you know gone there already even in my younger years i was pretty damn good looking okay so um, I never had problem, problems getting human partners, but not once have I ever been approached for any type of sexual intercourse with a demon or any type of spirit. So I do not, because of that experience, I seriously doubt anybody who tells me that they have had it because I have been perfectly open to this for 30 some odd years already. Well, you know, I've, I've had, I haven't had that kind of experience. What I have had as a paranormal investigator for 20 years now mm-hmm. is the, uh, every now and then it's, it's not very common as the, uh, satanic panic talk shows would have had you believe back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, every now and then I would get approached by someone who claims to have been assaulted or is ongoing some kind of spiritual sexual attack. Um, I guess that's that's the darker side of it. That's not the voluntary side, right? Right. Well, but I have, th- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I've, I've I have yet to have a personal conversation with someone who's making those claims. And uh, disclaimer: I am not a healthcare professional, but I've lived life and I've met many different kinds of people with varying mental capacities over my lifetime. And I have yet to meet someone who makes those claims who is not showing signs of something akin to schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yes. I, I have not met a stable person who's making those claims. And and that's exactly it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you because I, for a lot of years, did paranormal investigations and stuff. And I still, I mean, working with demons, obviously people come to me to talk about their experience of sex with demons as if it's like something that happens all the time. It's like, no, really, you're kind of, you're actually in the minority here. Um, I do want to tell you about like one experience, though, in particular. Uh, I had a woman contact me who, she was local even, and uh, she was saying she was having these experiences of invisible hands uh, sexually arousing her and bringing her to orgasm. And I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't think that's possible. And so she was like really upset, but then she went to the doctor and she found out she had a severe vitamin deficiency. 
Oh, severe wow, vitamin, wow. yeah, severe vitamin deficiencies. One of the symptoms of that is feelings of sexual arousal, and I think it's like B vitamins that are missing. It, I think it might be a B vitamin. I could be wrong. I mean, again, I'm not a medical professional either, so so that would have to be something that we would have to look up. But she actually came back to me and apologized and said, "I'm so sorry. You must have thought I sounded crazy and everything. I thought I was like losing my mind." And she goes, "And it turns out I had a vitamin deficiency." And it, she's like, I was amazed it could cause all of these sensations. So I'm amazed, too. I never realized. I would have never thought something like that. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing I, I generally do when people come to me with that, because I agree with you, they usually show signs of some sort of schizophrenia or some type of uh, personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, what I usually do is I first suggest that they rule out all medical and psychological uh, potential causes. And of course that pisses a lot of people off when you say that. Yes, yes it does. But I'm coming to find that if, it, if asking you questions like that makes you so angry that you don't want to work with me, I probably don't want to work with you anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> Not only that, if it was really hap- happening and, and they really wanted it to stop, you would think they would be open to the idea of being medically checked out and psychologically checked out because you know, maybe you would at least worry about your own sanity or something like that. But a lot of people don't. They just want to assume they're having sex with demons or they're making it up just for attention. Now, so, on the flip side, you could tell me what your opinion is on this. Okay, so so what I actually included in the book was a way to uh, to draw divine intelligence through you or through your partner while you're having intercourse with them. Or mm-hmm. even if you're going to masturbate during ritual. So sex with demons ritualistically would basically involve drawing the demonic divine through you or tapping that divine part of yourself. Because I believe the demonic divine is within each of us as well and that we can tap it. Kind of like as a higher consciousness, higher self-consciousness. So the idea behind sex with the demons in the book is actually to tap that force, either that demonic force externally or internally, and draw it through you or through your partner before intercourse. And the whole point of that would be to maybe give, uh, while doing sex magic, to give a ritual more of a charge. And a lot of the people I know who do that type of sex magic are actually using it to either charge sigils or actually... um, that create servitors because you need a lot of energy for that for that creation and of course yes. I also yeah in that book I also talk about creating servitors specifically for the purpose of sexual fulfillment mm-hmm. and yes. thought forms mm-hmm. now see that that starts to get into what I was going to ask you mm-hmm. because what I do believe is that with enough practice Okay, I know this is this is going to get interesting. Um, <laughs> one could have what seems to be very legitimate astral experiences, astral slash dream state experiences with things of their own creation, in a sense. Yes. The imagination is a strong thing. And certainly, um, approaching it 
from that perspective. I think one could have very powerful, enjoyable experiences, but you have to be able to know the difference. Yes, I agree. Discernment, always important. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to get myself in trouble today. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have an uh, inbox full of complaints. What do you mean? 614 at gmail.com. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not afraid. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and that's what, that is one of the things, too. And the, hard, the hardest part, I think, about learning discernment, because I try to talk to people about discernment. They're like, how do I know if it's a demon versus the spirit of, a de- of, of the dead or versus one of these, these malefic- uh, maleficent others that you have running around? Um, and it's like, well, that's kind of hard. That comes with experience. And not only that, but people, different mediums will be able to tell those different types of spirits apart in their own way. It's not like I could say, okay, so I get like a, if, if it's, if the spirit is malevolent, I get like a feeling like, yeah, okay, you need to get the hell out of here. I, I get that, mm-hmm. that there's that feeling you get. That may not be the same thing for me as it is for someone else. You see what I'm saying? So it's really hard I, to try and teach somebody else discernment when you can I only get, tell them what your experience is. I have tended to get an energetic illness that feels like an upset stomach but sets a little bit too high to be the physical stomach, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely, that does. Putting it in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. But there's that. Um, yeah, because through consistent practices you're going to feel things now of course all of our senses have a psychic um equivalent uh, i've been in situations where i've smelled horrible smells and that was a sign of, but then at the same time something like a horrible smell may not be a bad sign could just be a sign that the spirit is present if you're calling upon certain types of spirits right yeah absolutely so yeah i mean i don't know you got to really fine-tune that internal radar to kind of decide if a spirit is a friendly or not friendly so then again at the same again and we'll go back to those enoki that my experience with the enochian spirits some of them depending on their vibration are going to trigger something in you they may trigger fear in you or trigger excuse me I don't know, a bad feeling or whatever, just because of their vibration. So that's where discernment can be hard. And then some mm-hmm. of these people end up with like feeders on them. Uh, a lot of the times when, when I was doing investigations back in the day, because I, of course I always acted as, as the medium. That's what I would go in as. And a lot of like the nasty spirits were either dead that were tethered to this world for some reason, or they were just, nasty feeders and usually there was a portal close by that either had been opened and left open by people practicing who didn't know what the hell they were doing or naturally occurring uh open portals and of course and then you have you add on top of that people who are psychically turbulent if you ever notice like hauntings and poltergeist activity and a lot of that always happens around an unstable hormonal person oftentimes (sighs) 
oftentimes. How, oh, here's here's an interesting something you may not have run into yourself, but I did, and I found it very interesting. Um, have you ever had the experience of being around an elderly person going into a state of dementia where similar activities beginning to occur? No, that is something I'm not experienced with. I have seen this a couple times now. And so I don't know if it's the hormones or if it's something about what the brain does when it's maturing and when it's starting to go into decline. It's almost like it creates a threshold state of connection between some people equate psychic ability to the hypothalamus, uh, to the pituitary gland, uh, things of that nature. I don't know if the maturing of the brain and the degradation of the brain, I'm just getting a theory that it starts to trigger some kind of response. Huh. Well, no, yeah. that's, you know, that sounds, that sounds like there might be something there. It's definitely you're, consideration. You're, def- you're definitely correct. I mean, for the longest time, I took the same theory that poltergeist activity had something to do with the hormonal changes that were going on in, in a person reaching maturity. Now, now the jury's out, but. Well, I, I've also seen it know. happen, though, around people who have, like, bipolar disorder. Yes. Uh-huh. Um. um and, bipolar and, and schizophrenia, where not only were they experiencing things, because, okay, they've hooked up people with schizophrenia and bipolar to machine, or EKGs and things of that nature, and they when they say they're hearing voices, there's mm-hmm. not necessarily, there's no difference in the brain pattern between them saying that they're hearing a voice and a person who's actually hearing a physical voice. Right. Makes things very interesting. But I've been in, I've been around people where I myself have experienced knocking on walls, mm-hmm. audible voices that were coming from other parts of the house. But at the mm-hmm. same time, they were showing those signs and I was somehow stepping into their world by being in proximity, if that makes any sense. Yes. Oh, no, I've, I've had similar experiences. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had that, too, but I've also had myself mentally checked. <laughs> I mean, not saying, you know, that you're mental or anything, but I think, you know, there are certain people we can kind of step over into that on occasion. Well, let let, let, let me put it to you this way. I have not had what you would call a classic psychological evaluation, but what I do have is the fact that (laughs) that is not my life on a normal, regular, everyday basis. Right, exactly. You know? (laughs) Yeah, it happens. That's true. Yeah, that's exactly it. It doesn't, it's not happening constantly like it is with people like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so there's, uh, yeah, when you're, when you're talking, when you're talking about people who have a lot of that, uh, there seems to be a lot of psychic disturbance around them. They're oftenly, they're, they're oftentimes kind of psychically disturbed themselves a lot of times. So, so. I see a lot of people filtering into the chat room over at parexradionetwork.com. I'm just going to throw it out there, folks. Um, if anybody has any questions for Stephanie and like to put them up in the chat room, I am watching. So I would be glad to pass them on to her. And here in four weeks, I'll I'll get her into the chat room also so she could see what you're saying as you're saying it. But, yeah, so... Wow. 
we, we I think we've covered a lot of ground so far tonight. Um, yeah, that's something. True. I'm I'm going to ask you a question because just my curiosity, my was my gears were grinding as I was reading the book earlier, and um, of course, early on you mentioned that the spells can overwrite someone else's will. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, let's let's go beyond the book and say. What recommendations would you give a person that feels they're under the influence of a love spell and they don't want to be? Um, Okay, so I do believe that people who um, learn how to kind of mentally ward themselves can actually thwart a magical takeover, so to speak, of their own willpower. And one one of the easiest ways, I think, to do this, and it works for a lot of people, is to kind of do a meditation where in your mind you imagine yourself standing in between uh, a bunch of mirrors pointing outward and everything coming at you is hitting those mirrors, bouncing bouncing off and deflecting out. So um, just kind of imagine yourself surrounded by those mirrors that are pointing outward and it'll just deflect everything. That's that is probably one of the easiest, quickest ways to um, remove someone else's influence over you, or to at least thwart their attempts at um, putting any kind of magic on you. Uh, the second thing I always recommend is that people keep themselves in their houses heavily warded. Um, there's there's a lot of different traditions, different uh, rituals for that. Um, with the monolith tree, we, we anoint all of the doors and windows with a specific oil and draw certain symbols on our doors. And that kind of keeps everything out. Um, you can smudge yourself, sage yourself, do like a ritual cleansing of yourself and use those types of um, mental, mental blocks to block other people from being able to influence you with their magic so, I mean, this doesn't just go for love spells. This is for everything. It's for curses. It's for, um, well, well, anything, I would suppose. You just have to kind of close yourself off to it and kind of block any energy coming in. So, and, and the only bad thing that, uh, well, no, I guess, I don't know. I haven't had any ill effects from doing any of that. Um, some people, though, if they're used to being open, if they're kind of, if they're a medium and they're kind of used to being open and letting things in, I suppose it's really good to learn how to block anyway when you do that. But people like that sometimes don't like the isolation of of having themselves closed off mm-hmm. to everything. So, you know, I mean, so there's going to be varying points of view there. But well, personally, something, something I get into in my self-defense classes Mm-hmm. is I have actually met people who became so obsessed with shielding that they started creating multi-layer shields and, and really obsessing over how they could Fort Knox themselves to the point of there were psychological side effects. Um, they were becoming energetically disconnected and it was creating things such as paranoia. Um, mm, right and social disorders um so my advice has always been 
learn how to filter. It, it's it's an art, not a science. You, right. You learn to tell the difference of the, the energies you want to keep away versus the energies you want to let through. And as you learn the difference and you work that into your shielding, it becomes more of a filter than a hard encasing. Right. That's true. So it's like moderation in all things. Not too much, not too little. You got to right. kind of keep it at a happy medium. <clears throat> or you can always you can always Fort Knox yourself situationally if you really feel you need to during right. a situation, but you can let that down when you're safe again, when you're away from the situation. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean that's that that's the only advice I really have for people if they're if they're worried that they are being attacked, is to definitely cleanse themselves and learn how to block it out. So Block out other people's magic. So, I do recall you put something in there about reconciliation magic um, for, for friendships and romances and things like that. Um, I'm going to broach another potentially hot topic, but we're going to have to keep this down to well, about two more minutes. Right. Um, so, historically... And say hoodoo, there were there were certain sets of spells for keeping your man if he was trying to wander. And uh, I saw someone argue recently that, well, you know, back then the woman was very dependent upon her man, so it was ethically okay. But now that women have all this opportunity, they shouldn't be trying to keep their man. If, if their man wants to go, just, just let him go because don't, don't ever usurp someone else's will. Uh, do you have any words on that topic? Um, I would have to agree that if a guy doesn't want to, uh, or a woman for that matter, doesn't want to stick around and your partner doesn't want to stick around, let him go. Let him go. There are, are, there's someone out there. I believe everybody deserves to be loved for who they are and to have someone who isn't going to wander off on them. Unless of course that's part of the relationship agreement, you know, if it's non-exclusive or whatever, but if, if well, that's not part yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, if, if monogamy is a part of that relationship and one, one person strays, let them go. It's not worth it. You deserve better. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So in closing, um, Anything else you'd like to throw out there in the final minute? Um, well, I'm, I'm really excited about some of the guests I'm working on lining up. So I'm hoping uh, everyone else will be, too. I've already kind of, you know, spilled the beans over on my Ask Conley page. Just in case yeah. anyone didn't know, as Stephanie Reisner, I am Ask Conley. Just in case. Because I've got so many pen names, that, and my real name is Stephanie Reisner. People just don't. They don't yeah, always well. make the connection. Check check the Facebook page, too, folks, because I put some information for her on that as well. Okay, well, I'm going to let the Illuminus take us on out, and I'm going to let the next show take over. So if you stay on the line, I will touch base with you here in a minute. All right. <laughs>